You are listening to The North Podcast, a ministry of Mount Perrin North in Marietta, Georgia. Good evening, folks. How are you? You look fantastic. Look to someone near you and say, you look mighty good tonight, all right? If you're single and you don't know him, that may be an open door for you. I don't know. But we are glad you're here. Man, we are glad to be in our final night of Revival Nights. And um, I just need you to know, tonight is going to be a really special night. Um, uh, We are privileged and thrilled and honored to have, um, as a guest speaker, uh, Pastor Tommy Barnett. I'm going to read you a few things about him, and I want to tell you a couple of things as well. Um, He is the senior pastor of one of the fastest-growing churches in America, Phoenix First Assembly of God in Phoenix, Arizona. The church is known as the Church with a Heart because of its 260 outreach ministries. In September 1994, Tommy Barnett, along with his son Matthew Barnett, launched the Los Angeles Dream Center as a home missions project. They began with a church averaging 48 people on a Sunday morning. The ministry is now reaching over 50,000 people per month in outreach ministries. It's located in the heart of inner city Los Angeles at the former Queen of Angeles Hospital. The Dream Center is rescuing and rehabilitating people from addictions, homelessness, abuse, including victims of human trafficking. Reaching out to gang members, unwed mothers, emancipated youth, as well as feeding the hungry and needy, the Dream Center gives people hope and an opportunity to dream again. And the Dream Center epitomizes Pastor Barnett's quote, find a need and fill it, find a hurt, and heal it. Pastor Tommy Barnett co-pastors with his son Matthew Barnett in providing the vision, leadership skills training, and financial management for the ministry. I am absolutely thrilled to be able to have Pastor Barnett with us tonight. He is a humble man and a modest man. He is one of the most respected men in the church world today. Evangelical circles, Pentecostal churches, spirit-filled context. He is a leader among leaders. He is a man that is highly, highly respected. As a matter of fact, um, Joe Dobbins, who was here last night, and I were talking a few weeks, um, a couple of months ago, and we were talking about, um, I, was, I said, I, I, I need one final person. I, I cannot settle my heart on the last night speaker. And he said, he said, well, have you thought about Tommy Barnett? And I said, well, yeah, but he wouldn't come here. And he said, you ever thought about just calling and asking? And I did, and he was available. And um, I still remember, I am, amen. Before I ever was in ministry, I was in the business world, and I lived in Birmingham, Alabama, attending a church in in Birmingham called Metropolitan Church. I later went to pastor uh, many years later. But uh, while I was there, um, I remember distinctly Pastor Barnett coming and preaching a revival service for us at Metro there, and it marked my life. And um, I think, you know, this is our second year for revival, okay? Because of your generosity and your giving and your regular giving tithes, we don't take up offerings or anything like that for revivals, but tonight's going to be different. The Dream Center is making a difference in Los Angeles on a level that has never been seen. And at the end of the service, I've asked Pastor Barnett to share a little bit about the Dream Center, and I'm going to come up, and I'm going to ask you to just dig deep. Let's give tonight. And when you give tonight, you're sowing into good seed. And here's what I know. I know this. 
many times it's not discovering something. It's finding out what God is blessing, getting in, and letting God use you to bless others in that process. So I told you, I'm, I'm not going to beg you. I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart. And I believe God is going to release in abundance some resources to touch people's lives. If you're trying to figure out what that's like, think of Must Ministries here in Cobb County. Think of City of Refuge and Wellspring and all the things that we support around here. Think of all of that on steroids happening in Los Angeles. That's what God is doing there. And tonight, I am so honored and privileged to have Pastor Barnett here. So I want you to give a great Mount Perrin North welcome to Pastor Tommy Barnett as he comes. Thank you. Thank you. Well, come on, let's stand and give Jesus a real good clap offering. Come on, he, he's the one that deserves it. Amen. You can do better. A little better. One more time. All right. Well, before you see to turn to the one beside you and say, you look like you've lost some more weight. Come on, tell them that right now. And they will really love you for telling them that. Amen. Well, what a joy it is to be at this great church. And when I drove in and saw this magnificent structure, walked inside, and when I met your pastor for the first time, what a gracious, wonderful, classy guy he is. And the truth is, everything I've seen about this church is first class. The way you picked me up at the airport, man had a driver. I kind of felt like the king of England or something, amen. <laughs> then I walked in this beautiful building and the worship, my goodness, was just wonderful, but most of all, the spirit of the living God. I feel the anointing of God in this place. Can you say amen for that? And I just want to say a word. Thank you for the nice introduction. You know, I think that's about the best one I've ever had. Well, wait a minute. There was one that was, one was better. There was nobody to introduce me and I had to introduce myself. Amen. <laughs> But I want to say to the pastor, thank you for being so gracious and congratulations on this great, great church that God has raised up. You know, I, I feel real comfortable being here. I was picked up at the airport and the driver, who didn't know who I was or what I was, and uh, he leaned over and looked at me and said, Mr., did anybody ever tell you that you looked like Jerry Jones? Now, I get that all over the country. You know, that's the owner of the Dallas Cowboys. And I get that all the time. <laughs> I'll see them over there just kind of talking, and they're pointing at the airport. And finally, one of them will walk over and say, Mr., and I'm ready for it now because I get it all the time. Mr., did anybody ever tell you that you look like? And I say, Brad Pitt? Now, it really hurts me when you laugh that way. I want you to know that. But the worst one that ever happened happened to me recently. When I was in Milwaukee, I was preaching a conference there, and I was waiting to be picked up at my hotel, and I was paying my bill. And a little lady walked up to me, and she said, Sir, did anybody ever tell you that you looked like? And I knew where it was coming. So I said, Brad Pitt. And she went, Oh, 
No, no. And I knew what was coming next, at least I thought it did. She said, anybody ever tell you that you look like President Biden? And I said, come on, man, you know. But it's sure good to come in this place because nobody said, you remind me of Jerry Jones, amen. I hope when the service is over, you'll say, you know, you remind me of Jesus. Wouldn't that be wonderful? That would be the highest compliment that anyone could have. I'm gonna compliment you, my, all these young people. My, you guys are bad, amen. I looked at you worshiping God. Thank God for you. Thank God for this church. I just feel like I belong here right now. But if I'm a little bit sentimental tonight, a little melancholy, please forgive me. Because recently I turned 86 years of age. Yeah. I've been preaching the gospel for 70 years. When I was 16 years of age, I started out in youth revivals all across America in a Jeep shack wagon, and I had an organ because I played the organ, and I had a trombone because I played the trombone, and I had an accordion. Now, if you don't know what an accordion is, that's what the devil's going to play in hell to torture people. Amen. <laughs> but I want you to know that in those 70 years I've been preaching, and I've been married to the same old gal for 59 years. I'd rather fight than switch, amen. <laughs> but I want you to know it's been a wonderful, wonderful life. And so on my 80th birthday, they had a big celebration at our church and which they invited many outstanding people that had been my friends. And one of them was the president of Southeastern University, the president of the university. Several years ago, I was asked to be the chancellor of it. So he was there that day, and when they asked him to speak, he stood up and said, Pastor, we feel like this is the time it should take place. We're commissioning you now, if you will, to write your memoirs, and we're going to help you do it. So for the last six years, they've been writing my memoirs, and we've written a book entitled, What If? Now, this is not a book looking back at your life and saying, what if I'd have done that? But it's looking forward and saying, God has opened up an opportunity. See, God speaks to different people in different ways. Some people he speaks to in dreams. Some have visions. Some even have heard the voice of God. That's all wonderful. I'm not against any of that. But that's not the way that God has spoken to me. The way that God has spoken to me is he opened up an opportunity. And I say to myself, I don't know if that's God or not but I'll never know until I go down that road. So one time, somebody introduced me to have a bus. And so I thought, I don't know if it's God or not, but I bought a bus to pick up little children. And the first Sunday, 65, new people came to church that had never been before. And then I bought another and until I had 47 buses bringing over 3,000 people in buses to sun. One day a man came and said, Pastor, I believe that God has called you to come to L.A. And I felt like saying, get behind me, Satan. Amen. <laughs> I was pastor of a good church in Phoenix, Arizona. 
But I said to myself, I'll never know if that is God or not until I go down that road. And that's how the Dream Center came into existence. And this is what the book is about, opportunities, how to hear the voice of God. John Maxwell, if you know John Maxwell, anybody knows books, he probably ought to know them. He called me the other day. as was 9 o'clock. I was about ready to go to sleep. And he said, Pastor, somebody gave me your book. I usually read a chapter, and then I lay it down, but I could not stop. I read the entire book, and it inspired me like I've never been inspired before. And I thought he was being nice, but he began to tell it all over the country. This book will take you on a journey from 16. I'm going to talk about the three great revivals I've, I've seen in my lifetime. And what made them and what destroyed them? Some of them rose and fell. And I'm going to tell you why. You're going to love this book because it's in novel form. And I think you're going to enjoy it. So I'll be at the back at the end of the service. Be glad to sign your book. Now, if you're not a hugger, buy the book and run. Because I'm going to <laughs> tackle you and hug you right there in the audience. All right. So that's all the commercials. Everybody that's glad the commercial is over, say a good amen. amen. Most sinners feel that way. Amen. <laughs> hey, have you ever heard somebody say, well, I'm a self-made man? Well, when you look at the man up here, I am not a self-made man. When you see the man up here, you see a little bit of the impartation of Brother Oral Roberts. Because years ago, he became a friend of mine. He comes every year before he passed away and would spend a week with me and stay at the hotel. And during the daytime, we did something very religious. We played golf. Amen. <laughs> and at night, he would get in the Word of God. See, Brother O. Roberts taught me seed faith, that when you sow that, you're going to reap. And God has used him to help me in my life to be able to pour millions of dollars into the work of the Lord because of the impartation of Dr. Oral Roberts. When you see the man up here, you see a little bit of Dr. Dr. Cho, who built the greatest church in the history of the world, over 700,000 people in one church, one church. When they have a prayer meeting, they have to rent the stadium that seats 100,000 people for a prayer meeting. I was on his board for 30 years, and Dr. Cho taught me things about building a great church and the importance of a great church because a great church has influence on the city. And when they speak, the city listens. So when you see Tommy Barnett, you see a little bit of the impartation of Dr. Cho. When you see the man up here, you see a little bit of Herschel Barnett. That was my father. He taught me things that only a father could teach you about integrity, about living right by doing what is always right. And so tonight, this is not really a sermon. Dr. Cho taught me that people, after you've been in the ministry as long as I have, they want to see what you've seen and what you've heard. They will learn from your victories and from your mistakes. So I'm going to give you an impartation tonight. For the first five to seven minutes, I want you to listen on purpose. You have to follow me because I'm going to form a base. But after that, you'll want to listen. 
So Holy Spirit, I pray that you will come down and anoint this mind, Lord. I do not ask for the joy of preaching a great message, but I have a great truth. And I pray, dear God, that truth will resonate into the hearts of these people. In Jesus' name, amen. There are several passages in the scripture, in the Bible, that deal with things that we must do in order to have our prayers answered, our conditions that must be met. For example, in John chapter 15 and verse 7, there's this great scripture. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you can ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. I want you to notice, it didn't say, ask what you will first. It said, first, you've got to abide in me and my word's got to abide in you. You see, prayer is not an Aladdin lamp that we rub and ask for something that we want and we get it. Prayer is not a rabbit's foot. Prayer is a formula that always works. It is not a guess proposition. If you abide in me, and that word abide means live, you don't visit there. You live here. You live in him. He lives in you. He is your life. His words abide in you, and you abide in the word of God. And then it said, if you do that, you can have carte blanche. You can ask anything that you want. Now, let me quickly say that if you live that way, your wonder changes and you begin to want things for the kingdom of God. You want things that will bless the world and reach the world. Ask anything that you want. And God said, I will give it to you. And then there's the famous Second Chronicles, chapter seven and verse 14, you all know it. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves, pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive your sins and I will heal your land. You see, God is a God, a formula. There is a way that a nation can be healed and be spared that always works. If that nation, God's people, my people, it didn't say the devil's crown, it said, my people, people that are called by my name, shall humble themselves, pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. Then I will. Not I might, not I usually do, not I can do it, but I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. And that's God's promise but it's also a formula. Now I've set the base, listen closely, follow me closely. Now suppose I do that. Suppose I meet the condition of answer prayer. Then what does the Bible say? Let him ask what he will and it shall be given unto him. But wait a minute. There is now a second choice that I have by the way that I pray. Follow me closely. The same qualifications for me to be able to ask what I want qualifies me now 
for a second choice or a second way that I can pray. When I have separated myself and I'm abiding in Christ and his word is abiding in me, I now have a second choice in how I can pray. So better yet, put two boxes on the screen. We're going to check one of those boxes or maybe both of them. Box number one, I have a choice that I can ask anything that I will. I met the conditions. I've abided in him. Or second, I may ask what he wills and what he wants for my life. And the scripture for that is, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Now, this may surprise you, but I hardly ever pray for anything for myself. Now, there's nothing wrong with it. We should. The Bible said you have not because you ask not. He said, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. But did you know why I hardly ever ask anything for myself? Because I'm afraid if I pray for something for myself, God may have something bigger and better for me than that. I don't think you got that. You see, God's will for you is bigger than your will. What God wants you to have is bigger than what you even can even comprehend. So I have a choice in the matter. I can say, this is what I choose. Or Lord, I want you to choose for me. I don't think you're getting this, so I've got to give you an illustration. It was near Christmas time, and my wife said, Honey, have you got my Christmas present yet? I said, Yes, I have. Oh, she said, I wish I'd have gotten you sooner. She said, I was going to ask you to give me money instead of a gift this year. You always get the wrong size, the wrong style, the wrong color. She said, You think you could take it back and get the money and just give me the money. I could buy what I want this year. I said, well, I'll try. So they refunded the money. I gave it to her. A few months later, we were walking through the mall. And by the way, I'd rather go through seven years of the tribulation than go to my wife in the mall. And all the men said, they're, they're scared to say amen. All right. And we walked through a mall and we came by this beautiful jewelry store. And I looked in and said, honey, would you like to see what I bought you for Christmas that you didn't want? Yeah, I'd like to see. And I pointed to a beautiful diamond ring. The next Christmas came around. I said, honey, would you rather have money this year? Oh, she said, you just pick out something for her and, and surprise me. And that's what I'm going to speak on today. I'm speaking to you on surprise me, Lord. For you see, what God wants for you is a lot better than what you want for yourself. But the tragedy is this. We say, I want what I want. I want what I have. But God looks down and he says, but if you just knew what I had for you, if you just knew what I planned for you from the foundation of this earth. And so for the next few minutes, I'm going to give you 
three principles. Really, it's a graduate course when it comes to how to get prayers answered. Number one, his plan is better than my plan. When I was 12 years of age, God called me to the ministry. And he put a dream in my heart to pastor a wonderful church someday. Suppose I had prayed that God would give me a church that was a big church. Well, the largest charismatic church at that time would have been about a 1,000 people in that church. Therefore, I would have probably asked God for a church of 500 people because that would be a large church in those days. And I really believe that God would have given it to me. But did you know God had a different plan? Did you know that I almost missed it several times in my ministry? Several times when we were looking for property to build our, at that time, Phoenix First Assembly. Today it's called Dream City Church. I almost missed it when we were looking for property to build this building upon. I almost prayed that God would give me Tobury Mansion. A beautiful location right in the heart. All the freeways came together. It was a perfect location. Historic place. But I didn't ask God to give it to me. And then I saw another place called McCune Mansion. It was right side, the mansion of Barry Goldwater lived there in Paradise Valley. It overlooked Phoenix. It was the richest property in the country. I looked at it and I thought, man, I'd like to have that property. But we kept looking. Did you ever stop to think that if we'd pulled up to that mansion with 47 American heathens in that bus, amen, and they climbed over his trellis and over his yard, I don't think Barry Gordon would have been happy with that. But then we found a piece of property on the freeway. Over 100,000 people went by that every single day. And the board said, let's join hands and claim this 15 acres. But look what I would have missed. And we almost prayed that way, but I felt a check. Look what we would have missed if I prayed that way. We wouldn't have had room for those 40-some-odd buses. If I would have prayed that way, we wouldn't have had room for Joyce Meyer. Many of you know I'm Joyce Meyer's pastor. It's a job keeping that woman in line. I want you to know that. Amen. Every year for 20 years, she's come. The only church, because it's the only church large enough to hold her crowds. We would have missed that if I'd have got that 15 acres. We wouldn't have the Christmas musical that draws 60,000 people every year, 17 performances, and about 2,000 every night come forward to accept Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. If we'd have got that property, we wouldn't have room for parking. We wouldn't have room for the prayer pavilion on the side of the mountain that never closes, open 24 hours a day if we'd have got that property. We wouldn't have room for Small World Village, which is our children's ministry, or the youth building. We wouldn't have room for Basis High School, or Southeastern University Extension, or Prayer Mountain, or the football field. If I would have prayed for those 15 acres, I believe I'd have got it. 
But I never prayed that way. I pray God somewhere. You've got the property that you want us to have. And miraculously, God opened up 70-some-odd acres on the side of Shadow Mountain. And all the things that we dreamed about, the prayer chapel on the side of the mountain, the auditorium, and on and on. I almost missed it again when I went to Los Angeles, California. We had a little ghetto church. It was given to us. It was the first church that came out of the Azusa Street Revival. Think of that heritage. And we had that little building. But we outgrew. We needed a new building. So I wanted a, a place that was a destination point. You know, maybe downtown where people could come to church and then go and have a, a restaurant all around the place. So we begin to look in L.A., I, they took me to the old Ambassador Hotel. That's where Bobby Kennedy was assassinated, John F. Kennedy's brother. It was beautiful. Oh, it looked so good. Then they showed us the Jewish Temple in Beverly Hills. Wow. Oh, Wilshire Boulevard. I thought, man, I'd be able to minister to the movie stars. After all, I looked like Jerry Jones. Hey, man, thank God. It was beautiful. It was a perfect location, I thought. And then they showed us a power and light company right downtown. Beautiful parking structure. Six-story building. And we even made an offer for $8 million. But somebody bought it out from under us. But then one day I was driving down the freeway and I saw this magnificent building that once was a Queen of Angels hospital. It was 15 stories high. It had 400,000 square feet. It would take care, are you ready, 1,400 rooms in this place. And I went to look at it. I, they wanted $16 million. We didn't have it. My son wanted me to look at it. And she said, would you like to buy it? I said, yes, but it's not in our budget. Our budget was zero. Amen. We didn't have a penny. Amen. <laughs> she said, well, just make me an offer. I thought, I'll make it so low, she'll turn it down, and my son will, will think at least I tried. I said, I'll give you $3.9 million. And she said, I'll take it. I felt like Red Fox. I thought I was having the big one right there. Amen. <laughs> And God gave us the iconic Queen of Angels Hospital. And today, 900 people live there coming off of drugs and alcohol and human trafficking. We got everything there, murders and gangs. And that's just the pastoral staff that I just mentioned. <laughs> but you see, at that time, I couldn't even fathom what God had for us there. I could preach a whole sermon and you wouldn't even believe all the miracles I could tell you because I wouldn't believe them if you told me either. But that's why the Bible says that our eyes have not seen, our ears have not heard. It has never entered the heart of man. The things, the things, the things, say it with me, that God has prepared for his people. God's got a whole bunch of stuff. 
that he's already prepared for you that you're never going to see because you just checked that one box. I'll have what I'll have. And you have a right to choose that way. You have qualified yourself. Or you can say, God, would you choose what I get? And I've come to the conclusion that I've gotten a heap a lot of more stuff and had a happier life by letting God do the choosing. And I check the little box that says, I want what you want, God. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in my life. But it's going to get better second. I would rather for him to decide what I get than me. And here's the reason why. Number two, because I don't know all that he has. And if I don't know all that he has, how can I know what to ask God for? He still said, don't look like you got it, so I got to tell you another illustration. <laughs> it was during the Depression. Money was scarce. Little lady took her son to the grocery store and bought the few things she needed, flour, milk, sugar, eggs. And when she went to check out, the groceryman looked at it and he could tell that she just barely had enough to, to pay the bill. But the little boy kept eyeing up the big old jar of hard candy there on the counter. He looked at the little boy and realized that his mama didn't have the money to buy him any candy. He said, son, would you like to have some of that candy? Well, boy, shook his head. He said, just reach in there and get the biggest handful that you can. Little boy just stood there. Hey, son, did you hear me? Uh, reach in there, get the biggest handful of candy you can. Little boy just stood there. A third time, and he just stood there. Finally, the groceryman, a little frustrated, reached in with his big hand and got a handful of candy, put it in a sack. When they walked outside, the mother said, son, I'm ashamed of you. That man was trying to be good to you. Why didn't you get the candy? He said, mama, don't be mad. His hand was bigger than mine. Amen. <laughs> and I got good news for you. His hand is bigger than mine. His desire for you is bigger than your desire. I don't really know what he has. So I'm going to say, Lord, I just trust you. Because when you trust God, number one, God's plan is better than yours. Number two, I don't know all that he has. And number three, I don't even know what I need. Sometimes I don't even know what I want. It was years ago in our church. A beautiful young couple got saved at our church. They'd just been married. They were trying to get ahead in life, and so her husband worked two jobs. One of them, he would get off about three or four in the morning. He was driving home from work, and when he went through the light, a drunken driver coming at a high speed, hit him in the side, immediately killed him. I'll always remember when I went to the house that night, she was laying there in the bed with a church full of people that were there to try to stand with her and encourage her. They had no money. The church paid for anything they needed. 
as far as the funeral uh, arrangements were concerned. We bought her the big roses and everything, and years went by. I was in my office studying one day, and a secretary ran in and said, Pastor, there's a young lady that wants to see you in the lobby. Okay. I went out in the lobby, and she said, Pastor, I want to show you something. And she took me outside. And she reminded me of a sermon that I preached years ago. And I don't remember saying this. It was just kind of passing. If I ever had the choice to choose the kind of car that I would drive, I'll probably never get to, you know. But I would choose a Mercedes sports red convertible. She said, follow me. And I followed her to the parking lot. She pointed at a, at a red Mercedes Sports convertible. And it's brand new. She said, I just bought that for you. I said, wow. I mean, I was taken back. And then I said, you know, I appreciate that, but look, I want you to keep it. She said, no, no, no. God told me to buy that for you. I said, but I tell you what, listen, let's just pray about it. For a week, and then we'll come back together, and if we still feel that way, then Okay. Well, Pastor, I know what God told me, but I'll do it. A week later, she came back. I said, what did you pray about? Yep, God told me that that was bought for you, and you ought to take it. And I said, but I want you to know God spoke to me. And I want you to have that car, please. She said, don't make me miss God. I said, look, if, I, if, if you miss, it won't be because of you. You gave it, it'll be me that has to enter before God. And I watched her finally say, okay. And she walked down and got in the car and drove out of the parking lot in my car. Amen. <laughs> As I watched her drive away, I went in my office. And this is what I do when I'm happy. I took my shoes off and I got on the couch and I just jumped up and down. It's, who said white men can't jump? Amen. Pretty good, wasn't it? Amen. And I started praising God, and I said, oh, God, I really didn't want, didn't want that dumb car. But I just wanted to know I, if I wanted it, I could have had it. I don't even know what I want. I eat at a lot of restaurants as I travel almost every week of the year preaching doing just what I'm doing right now. And the food all sound begins to taste like cardboard. So sometimes I look the menu over and it looks so bad that I say to the waitress, look, go back and tell the chef to pick out the best thing that he has in the kitchen and surprise me. And sometime I come to God in prayer and I say, oh Lord, I've met your conditions. I've met your formula. I've been abiding in you and your word has been abiding in me. I haven't walked in the counsel of the ungodly. I've not stood in the way of sinners. I, I'm not set in the seat of the scornful. I've delighted myself in the Lord. Now, God, I'm ready to order. And God said, yes, you have. So what do you want? 
Well, God, I don't know all that you have. Many times I say, my dear God, just fix me up the best thing you've got in your kitchen and surprise me. And he comes back and says, surprise, surprise. <laughs> kind of sounds like he's from the South, amen. <laughs> Have you ever prayed for something that you were sorry that you prayed for when you got it? This is not a good time to look at your husband or wife, amen. <laughs> Don't do that. Hey, have you ever been at Christmas time, Christmas shopping, and you see some of these $10 surprise gifts that are wrapped beautifully? And you could give $10 and take a chance on what's in that box. Or you can use your $10 to buy what you want to. So let's say I choose one of those $10 boxes, and I buy one of them, and I open it up, and guess what's in it? Hair curlers. Now, I dead sure do not need hair curlers. I know what, I need what's under them. I need hair. I need a lot of hair. I tried everything to grow hair in my lifetime. Somebody said, if you will, <laughs> if you'll buy, get cold packs and put them on your head, it'll grow hair. I tried it. I just got brain freeze, amen. Someone said, no, if you put hot packs, you'll grow hair. I tried that, and I burned my scalp. Someone said, if you buy vodka and just rub it all in your hair, you'll grow hair. So I bought a bottle. It didn't work, so I drank the rest. No, no, I didn't know. I'm not a drinker. I'm just trying to keep your attention. That one brother woke up right then, you know. But I discovered how to grow hair. I'm going to let my eyebrows grow real long. <laughs> let me get back to the sermon right now. Amen. I've tried everything in the world. But back to the $10 box. Let's suppose for a minute that the person who packed that $10 box knew me. Let's suppose that they made me. Let's suppose that they love me with a love that nobody understands in the whole world. Let's suppose that the person that packed that box owns a cattle on a thousand hills and all the gold and silver's in that hill. How do you think now I ought to spend my $10? I'll buy the box every single time. Because my God in heaven loves me. He loves me more than I love myself. He knows what I need more than what I know. He knows what I want more than what I know. Did you ever have anything bad happen to you? And later on you said, this is the best thing that ever happened to me. Because all we judge is our senses, the smell, the sight, the hearing, the feeling. Oh, but I got good news. He that is omniscient, he that knows everything has something for you. He that owns everything has something for you. He that loves you with a love that nobody will understand has something for you. So God says, now you've met the conditions. 
Go ahead. Tell me what you want. I'm ready to take your order. But then he says, before I take your order, if you want me to, I'll order something and give it to you. Because you have a second choice. And I want you to know when I have done that, when I have said, surprise me, Lord. Well, Pastor, did you ever expect or plan to build a dream center in L.A.? No, we went over to start a church. But we found out before you could build a church, you had to build the church, which was people. It was easy to 100 people get saved in one night. Those people are hurting, they're turning for help. But they go right back to the gangs. They go right back to the drugs. So we had to build a place to disciple them. And we kept growing. And finally, we got this monster, 900 people living there. Nobody pays. They come off drugs and alcohol, all kinds of addictions. Did you ever plan to become the chancellor of a college? Nope. When they asked me to become the Chancellor, I thought they was talking about a chandelier. Amen. <laughs> I didn't even graduate from university. Did you ever think you'd write books? <laughs> no. And yet we penned 12 books. Did you ever expect to have a pastor's conference? It's coming up in a week. Through the years, we've had hundreds of thousands that have come to. 44 years and some of the great churches and great men of God, their life was changed at that conference. Pastor Barnett, did you ever expect to travel the world and preach the gospel? No. But one day I discovered there were two choices. I could get what I wanted if I obey and live by that scripture. Or I could get what he wanted me to have. And I'll guarantee you this. There is no life like the world getting what he wants for your life. What a tremendous way to live. Which leads me to my life's verse, Proverbs 6, 3, 6. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. Just divide up quickly. The first six words, it's my job. The Bible clearly says that if we abide in him in all of our ways, if we'll acknowledge him, and that's my job, that's six words. It's just to acknowledge him and to brag on Jesus. And the next six verse is his, and he will direct your path. Young people, you're always worried about being in the will of God. Always worried about the path. Always afraid that you're not getting to where you want to get to fast enough, which leads to depression. But this will take all the fear out. Your job, job is in all of your ways. Acknowledge him. And then it says, and he will direct your path. Your path will be directed by God if you will spend a lifetime just acknowledging him. So I'm winding this up by saying, go ahead and ask. Ask as big as you possibly can. But the problem is you don't have enough faith to ask as big as you should ask. 
The other day, people all over the country says, Pastor, we need a dream center in our city. Would you please help us start one? All over the world, people say, please help us start. Listen, this one's about to kill me. For 30 years, I've gone out every weekend. For 30 years, I've not received a penny. I've received an offering for the Dream Center. You'll say, oh, they probably pay you a salary. No, they don't. I'm rather bitter about that, amen. <laughs> but the other day I was praying. I said, oh, God, I feel so bad. I'd just gotten a call from Albuquerque telling me he was a drug captain of America and all the stuff going on. But I had to say, I'm doing everything I can the last, what, 30 years preaching. I can't do anymore. And I said, oh, God, I feel so bad. And God said, well, why don't you just ask me? I told you in the scriptures that I would give you the inheritance of the nations of the world. That's pretty big right there. Why don't you ask me? And I shouldn't do this. I'm embarrassed after I do it. You're going to think I'm crazy. You're going to think I'm a fool. But I am a fool for Christ's sake. Amen. I've asked God before I die, get somebody, an individual to give me $1 billion. Oh, pastor, that's so cute. But it's silly. Yeah. I don't even know anybody that's a billionaire that I could ask, that would let me ask. But I'm believing God before I die, and we're going to build dream centers all over the world. For the glory of the Lord. Pastor, what if you don't get that billion before you die? You can say the old guy was happy trying. Amen. So ask God. Ask him as big as you possibly can. But at the end of it, just add. But if God, if you got something better, surprise me, Lord. Oh, Joe Namath, the great football player. He recently came to our athletes conference in Phoenix and he's gotten saved now. God's really working in his life. And he said, I can't wait to get up in the morning to see how good looking I've gotten during the night. <laughs> and by the way, I can relate to that. Amen. <laughs> and I'll be honest with you. At 86 years of age, I can't wait to get up in the morning. I'm against people dreaming and getting a 10-year plan or five. Good. But in my case, I did that for years, and every time God just blew it to bits. So now I say, God, I'm just going to live for you. My job is to brag on you, and you direct my path. It's a wonderful way to live. To wake up every morning instead of saying, good Lord, it's morning. Say, good morning, Lord. Which route do you want me to take to work today? What tie do you want me to wear? What suit coat do you want me to wear? Some of you think I miss God on this one, amen. <laughs> every day is like Christmas. I kick every can wondering what's underneath it. Because I remember when this truth came to me, We'd outgrown that little church in L.A. We had to have a bigger building. 
And I saw this Queen of Angels Hospital, but I knew we had no money to do it. When a man came and spoke at our church from Argentina, his church, he said, had grown in four years from nothing when he started to 260,000 people. And he said, I want to pray for everybody in this audience that wants the multiplication anointing. I was the first one there on the platform. Matthew was right behind me. Put your hands out. We put our hands out. He reached in his pocket, took a handful of mustard seed and, and let it sift into our hands. He said, this represents multiplication. And he put his hand on our head and he began to pray for the multiplication anointing. He breathed into us and said, receive it. There were a lot of people there. He prayed on everybody that wanted that anointing. But there were two of us up here that said, it's ours. We'll receive it. We have faith for it now. And I close with this. The other day we had our big banquet at the Beverly Hilton Hotel in Hollywood. It was given to us to free of charge to have our banquet. So before the banquet, we invited everybody that had, well, we we called them. We, we had a, a, a award. We wanted to give them a little medal. People that had given a million dollars or more to the work of God. I thought, well, there won't be many there. I'm talking about 50 people that had given a million dollars to the Dream Center. And I walked in there and there were over 50. Did you hear that? 50 people that are give more than a million dollars. And it all started that night when we said we receive that multiplication. And I can tell you a miracle after miracle that blessings begin to come through these hands. And by the way, none of us stuck. It went through these hands. And I feel in this building right now people say, Pastor, I want to live that kind of life. I want to have such faith that I wake up every morning. Can't wait to get out of bed to see what God's going to do. For you see, there are people here tonight. They've listened to this old guy preach. At 86, with so much dream and excitement about the work of God, and yet you're healthy, you're young, you're strong. You have a mind as keen as a lawyer. But when the alarm goes off in the morning, you have no reason to get up. No dream. No future. No peace with God. And I'm going to close by asking just a minute everybody to raise your hand who will say, Pastor, I need God. And I need Him bad while every head is bowed. Pastor, if there's ever a time in my life I need God, I need Him now. I want to walk with God. I want to know God. I want to know my sins have been forgiven. And I believe hands are going to go up all over this building because after I ask you to raise your hand, if you want me to pray for you, I'm going to pray for you right from up here. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'm going to pray for you right there in your seat. So while every hit is bowed, and every eye is closed. 
I can almost feel the breath of the angel's wings as they hover over this place. There's such an anointing. And if you'd like to know the peace of God, the joy of God, the forgiveness of God, if that's you, oh, pastor, I need something. I need God. I need him bad. He's my only hope. Well, every head is bowed. Every eye is closed. I'm going to pray. But when I count to the number three, I'm going to ask everybody to raise your hand. They'll say, Pastor, that's me. Would you just pray for me? When I get to three, put your hand up. One, heads bowed. Christians, can I hear you praying? I need to hear a hum of prayer. As you pray for people that are in the valley of decision, when I say three, every head bowed, no one looking around. I believe hands are going to go up all over this building from the left to the right to the front in the balcony. Pastor, please pray for me. Put your hand up right now. In the name of Jesus, raise them high, raise them high, raise them high. They're going up all over this building. There's got to be at least 50. Keep raising them. The Holy Spirit's doing the work here. We thank you, Jesus. I'm going to go a step further. You may put your hand down. I'm going to ask every one of you that raised your hand to repeat with me a prayer. The prayer is called a prayer of repentance. And the Bible says that when it's prayed with a genuine repentant heart, God hears and God forgives. So I'm going to ask every one of you that raised your hand to repeat this sinner's prayer with me. And I'm going to ask every Christian to join in with them, even though you know God, to encourage them. And I want this to be a little whisper. I want it to be a booming voice, loud and strong. Together, repeat with me these words. Dear God, I have sinned. I need a Savior. You said if I'd ask you that you would forgive me. And I believe you, Lord. I repent of my sins. I now give my life to you. You are my Savior. And you are now my Lord. Thank you for coming into my heart. In Jesus' name. Amen. Just before I turn to the pastor, listen to me closely. There are people in this building that want that surprise me, Lord, that multiplication anointing in your life for your business, for your ministry. How many will say, Pastor, I'd like to see the multiplication of the blessings of God in my life because there's so much I want to do for God or for God's people or His projects. Pastor, I want that multiplication anointing without anybody leaving. If that's you, I want to pray a prayer over you that was prayed over me when it came. Get to your feet right now. This may be the greediest church I've ever been in. Amen. Everybody. I believe God's going to send finances to you so you can bless the kingdom of God. This church is reaching out around the world. So here's how I'm going to pray. While I pray, I don't want you to say a word. I want you to close your eyes. 
some of you want to cry out. Some of you want to weep or laugh. No. I want you, while I pray, to see in your mind the dream that you have as if it were already fulfilled. See that worship team. See that altar call. See the people in the mission field that God's called you to. See the young people. The Bible said, if you believe, you will see the glory of God. So, Father, when I come to the final part of this, you're going to be quiet. But when I get to the end, I'm going to say, in the name of Jesus. And you've been quiet all that time. But when I say, Lord, empty your bucket of oil upon them. And when I say the name of Jesus, I want every one of you that's been quiet, you're about to explode. I want you to throw your hands up. When I say the name of Jesus, that's a trigger word and begin to cry out to God. That's the way we're going to end this service. Now, Father, I have felt your divine anointing tonight. I've watched people listen every single word, especially my heart was turned towards this great group of young people. Their dreams to be built. The next Mother Teresa may be in this auditorium. The next Billy Graham, he's gone now, may be here. The next great worship leader may be in this building dying. Who knows what's here? But God, we need multiplication to carry our dream out. So I pray, God, that you will come now with your big bucket of anointing oil and pour it upon these people that multiplication anointing in the name. Are you ready? Open your voice of Jesus. Let me hear you cry out to God. Oh, come on. Let me hear you pray. I'm going to shut up and let's just have a prayer meeting right now. We thank you, God. We glorify you, God. We magnify your name. Surprise us, Lord. Surprise us, Lord, in the name of Jesus. We abide in you, and your word is going to abide in us. So we're asking in your name. Praise the name of the Lord. And then we go beyond that and say, but thy kingdom come, and you have your will. Let it be done. Oh, come on. Begin to praise him as if it already answered. Begin to praise him right now. I want to hear a shout. I want to hear a shout. I want to hear a shout. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your anointing. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated just a minute. I'm going to turn to the pastor. And thank you that you're sticking with us. I know this is the last night of revival, so you can sleep tomorrow. Amen.
before the service, I talked to my son Matthew in L.A. And uh, I jotted down some things. For 30 years, I've gone out every week, and Matthew has too. And we pastor churches, but we go out during the week and do what we're doing tonight. And that's basically the way the Dream Center, it takes a million, 200,000 a month just to operate that place. During the pandemic, they fed 5 million people meals, not little boxes, just meals. It has become the darling of L.A., People look at the Dream Center's life-saving. They just had a big flood. You saw, you've been reading about it. It's still going on. And he told me that immediately over 100 people rushed to the rescue center. And they've been taking care of people that have been sleeping on the streets that were being almost drowned. I said, what's it going to cost you? He said, well, we figured it out. It's about 75000 to house them and feed them and clothe them. I said, well, boy, you sure you want to have that because you got enough to do right now. So I'm going to tell you what the offering's going to go for. They just redid 40 rooms that could not be used to house women with children that their husbands left them on the streets because they were embarrassed and they had no place to go. So these women come with little children, some of them large, large families. And we put them up in the Dream Center. And it took $4,000 a room to refurbish them, put furniture in them, $4,000. And to feed them and clothe them, give them their education, medical. We did all that. We can do that with $40,000. Oh, by the way, you know what it costs to keep a person in prison for a year in L.A.? $80,000 a year. Pretty good deal. It it takes us $700 a month to take care of a family. $700 a month. Tonight, I'm going to ask you to do something. Whatever is given to this, I'd like to ship over to Matthew. It'd be wonderful if these eight rooms that they're trying to get done, eight rooms, wouldn't it be wonderful if we just say, finish them, get those eight families in there? Or wouldn't it be wonderful that we could continue to take people in in the other rooms that we have for the glory of the Lord? So for 4,000, we could finish a room. And by the way, for 700 a month, we can take care of a family for the entire month. And of course, 75,000. There are people in this building that could say, perhaps I'd like to take care of one of those rooms. There's eight of them, $4,000. Others would say, Pastor Barnett, I'd like to help all those people in flood relief. Or I can take care of a family for a month, $700. If we get a lot of people doing that, we can take care of a lot here tonight. I'm going to ask God to speak to you, and you obey God. We're not going to ask for a show of hands or anything. We're simply going to say, I'm going to pray now.
I'm going to pray God will speak to you. And I want you to say, Lord, if you speak to me while Pastor Barnett's praying, I want to be a part of reaching L.A. Most of the news we get out of L.A. is bad news. Wouldn't it be great? Aren't you glad to get some good news out of L.A.? Amen. There's a revival going. Angelus Temple, 4,000 people. Filled week after week. Altar calls of 100 or more. Week after week. Besides the feeding of our trucks all over town. So Holy Spirit. I want to thank you for this audience. They're one of the kindest. I don't think I've ever preached to an audience that listened like this one did. You've been moving in revival. They tell me night after night the presence of God has been real. And tonight, I I believe you did something in your own special way. And I pray, dear God, that as we sow into this ministry, whatever we sow is going to come back to us, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. And what we invest, someday you will look back and say, God really surprised me. I thought it was kind of sacrificing but I was really being blessed. I thank you for these people. Speak to their hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to thank you for listening to me. I love you all dearly. Thank you for considering tonight. God bless you all. We're going to take an opportunity to receive an offering. And um, listen, I, uh, there, there's going to be ways you can see on the screen to give. Um, you can give in the offering buckets that are come by. Um, you can give other ways. There is a QR code on some of the seat backs in front of you that will take you right to our website for giving. If you give electronically, here's, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Please, in the notation, there's a, there's a place that just says other. In the notation, please put Dream Center there. You can put Dream Center, Dream, anything. We want to make sure everything that is given gets to the Dream Center and it goes immediately. And I have felt impressed leading up to this moment that, um, that God is asking me to do something I have actually never done before. I have never, ever announced anything. But I feel like God is challenging us to dig deep today. And so I'm investing the first $1,000 tonight in this. Uh, no, no, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. I'm asking you to dig deep and let it make a difference. Because God's doing something and blessing something. And if we'll get in on that, God will bless us, and he's going to expand the kingdom of God at the same time. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. We're going to worship together. They're going to pass the buckets around, and I want you to dig deep, give. And if you don't have it on you, you can use some of the ways that are given with the QR codes or any other ways there. Let's give sacrificially and watch what the Lord does tonight. Amen. Hot
Pastor Tommy Barnett is going to be in the atrium out there. Uh, his books are out there, but I know he would love for you to come by and say hello to him. But even though he's out in the atrium right now, can you let him know how much you appreciate his ministry tonight? Yep. Amen. If you didn't get a chance to give, um, there are people that uh, there's some buckets on the way out. You can drop it in there. If the Lord speaks to you over the next couple of days and you do it, just 
hop online, give to the Dream Center. We'll cut multiple checks, okay? We'll send it all. Everything that gets given tonight or in the next few days, it's all going to the Dream Center. We believe God's going to do some outstanding things. Man, I'm so glad you participated in our revival nights this year, and I am looking forward to Sunday as well. We start a brand new series called Why God? Some of the hardest questions that people ask of God and what God has to say, what scripture has to say about those things. Hey, as you leave tonight, allow me the privilege to bless you before you go. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace in Jesus' name. Let's give our response from Psalm 19. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. God bless you, folks. Love you. Have a great week. See you Sunday. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you would like to learn more about North, be sure to check out our website at mountparanorth.com. If you have any questions, you can email us at info at mountparanorth.com or give us a call at 770-578-9081. And if you're in the Marietta, Georgia area, we'd love to have you join us for worship next Sunday at 945 or 1115 a.m. Again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.